Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Spurs Cast, episode 506. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of Spurs Cast. Joining me from Houston, Texas, on today's emergency episode is Project Spurs' John Diaz. John, how you doing, man? I'm trying to stay warm, or trying to stay cool, because it's so damn hot outside, but, you know, man, this this is nuts that the Spurs finally did it, so I'm kind of excited. <laughs> yeah, so Spurs Cast listeners, uh, you know, as, as John and I just, um, you know, you're listening to this uh, probably on what's uh, Thursday, this is coming out. Kawhi Leonard was finally officially traded to the Toronto Raptors on Wednesday uh, in exchange. Uh, he and he and Danny Green went, went to Toronto in exchange for DeMar DeRozan, Yaka Pirtle, and a uh, 2019 first-round pick that's protected for from 1 through 20 uh, to the Raptors. So it's finally over, John. You know, we've been obviously all season, you know, on, on the Spurs cast, over at Project Spurs, you know, the, the fans, the media, we've all kind of just been tired of this narrative and just get it over with, this drama. You know, whether it was Kawhi just signed the Supermax or if not, just get traded. Just end it so we can, you know, kind of enjoy yeah. our, our off season in the summer before the season starts here. Um, so just real quick before we get into some of the, 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 the details of the deal, um, what were your kind of your, your initial reactions? Uh, I, I'll start off by saying that I never thought this would go into the season just because the Spurs have always been a team where they like to have everyone kind of set come training camp. I feel like we've seen what happens when teams trade got their entire roster in the middle of the season with the Cavaliers, unless you have someone like LeBron James, that never works out. And the only trades that we've seen that the Spurs do midseason have been Nando DiColo for Austin Day, and I'm trying to think of the one from a couple years before that. Uh, so I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised how quickly it came to fruition. I mean, it's been less than a little over 12 hours since we were texting last night at 3 in the morning. Yeah. Um, I, just trying to think back through the history of trades of superstars, like mo- recently, like Kyrie went to Boston for Jake Crowder and Isaiah Thomas. Paul George went to OKC for 
Sabonis and Oladipo. Jimmy Butler went for Lori Markinen, Zach Levine, and Chris Dunn. Even like Blake Griffin going to Detroit for Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, Boban. Like the Spurs got an All Star back in this deal, and I think that is the biggest selling point. Even though I'm disappointed in they didn't get OG Anunoby or at least Pascal Siakam, but they got an All Star back, and I think that's more than what you can say in, in regards to anything inside of this trade itself. And I, I know we'll go through this more, but I'm just I'm relatively surprised at how the the return came back. You know, I know Jakob Pertl is going to... We'll, we'll discuss him later and stuff like that. It's just how quickly it got done. And if we look back at the timeline on the article, it said they've been talking for two weeks. This goes back to the moratorium, and that affects so much more of how the Spurs are operating this offseason. And, yeah, I, I don't think this gets done if RC doesn't have the relationship he has with Masai Ujiri. But I also don't think it gets done if the Raptors have a decent playoff run and don't think that, hey, LeBron went out west. We can go make a run for it. This roster has maxed out its potential. We've got a new coach with Nick Nurse. DeRozan's capped out. Like, let's try to make a run with Kawhi one season, and then we'll go from there. If we have to gut everything and rebuild, we can. And if the, if the Kawhi stays, they can run the east and kind of hamper Boston and Philadelphia. Yeah, no, you, you touched on a, few, a lot of good points there. One of the key ones was that, you know, just the, the package they got in, in exchange, I was very surprised, too, you know, at the end of the day that they did get an all-star in return, uh, considering, you know, Boston was taking off, Jay, uh, you know, Jalen Brown in, in talks. Um, Philly was taking out Markel Fultz. The Lakers weren't giving up Ingram and Kuzma. So, I mean, these aren't even all-star players, but those teams weren't even willing to put those players on the table anymore at this point because it, it looked like for most, you know, the Spurs had lost all their leverage once Kawhi demanded that trade, especially with his health situation. Um now we can kind of get into some of the details. You know, a lot of Spurs fans, even myself, I put on Twitter, you know, I was very shocked that they didn't get one of Ananobi or Pascal Siakam or even DeLon Wright, you know, young yeah. players that have a little bit more, you know, I would say, uh, you know, potential than, than maybe Jakob Pertl. Um, you know, do you think, in my, in my opinion, I think that it has to deal with the fact that the Raptors don't know if he's fully healthy and how long term he is going to be healthy. Uh, we have heard that you know he hasn't taken his physical yet, but but they may have just voided that part in, in, the, in the negotiations just to make the deal happen. So Toronto may be still getting a player who's still dealing with this quadriceps injury long-term in Kawhi. Do you think that because, one, he's going to be a rental most likely for them, and then, two, the injury history, do you think that's a reason why the Spurs didn't have as much leverage in getting one of those young players back and having to give up Danny in return? I Yeah, I believe so, but also the incentive for Toronto is getting Danny Green on an expiring contract. You know, they get his bird rights after this, but having him on an expiring and no no guarantee that Kawhi is going to stay opens up a lot of cap for them if they can move Kyle Lowry. Uh, outside of that, yeah, it's a little disappointing they didn't get those guys, but at the same time, Jakob Pertl, I mean, this guy was a lottery pick a couple of years ago. It's not like he's some kind of flash in the pan. You know, just because he doesn't have this cachet built up of a big name or anything, he's playing behind Jonas Valanciunas, but at the same time, he has a lot of potential. So it's still a good pickup for the Spurs, and it kind of makes sense on how they haven't targeted a center in free agency. There's been a lot of talk that we've been kind of like trying to pinpoint where Chemezi Metsu fits in the rotation. This kind of clears that gap. You've got Jakob Hurdle for a year. You can have the team option next year. And if Chemezi Metsu has kind of built up his, you know, have progressed enough to make the roster, then hey, you, okay, thank you, goodbye, you were great for two years. The same thing with DeMar. I think the whole thing relies on this team around 2020. You know, we, since we don't know what's going on with Pop, we don't know what's going to happen with LaMarcus. A lot of these guys, Patty Mills is still literally the only contract on the books outside of DJ and Derek White. So it's like, why and Lottie Walker. So, you know, you just keep going from there. Um, 
But yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I, I nothing nothing that the that the Raptors honestly have though would have made a tremendous impact right away because I still think you know OG Anunoby's playing in summer league. This isn't a guy that you know you can expect to step into the rotation immediately. Same thing with Jakob Jakob Pertl. I I wouldn't be surprised if they send him down to Austin for a couple games just to say hey get familiarized with the system on off days when they're not practicing and stuff like that. They've done it with Davis Bertans and Bryn Forbes. There's just no reason why they can't ship him down to Austin to kind of acclimate him a little faster. But all in all, it's a great deal. Like you you get a all-star shooting guard who has two gold medals, by the way. Can we talk about that? He won a gold medal at the World Championships. He won a gold medal in Rio. And Kawhi hasn't... We'll see if he goes in 2020, but, you know, <laughs> come on. Like I, I can't complain about getting a gold medal Olympiad. Like it, It's just... There's still so much. Like I know this is all like really sudden reaction, and we've got a long way to go before we see how this translates, but... It's interesting to see that the Spurs pulled the trigger on this and just said, okay, we got an all-star, let's move forward. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Now let's go ahead and go into the two players that they've acquired. Um, you know, DeMar DeRozan, 23, I mean, not 23, uh, he's 28 years I old. I wish. He, he scored 23, point, uh, 23 points per game last season. Uh, he, he he attempted more threes, 3.6 threes. He didn't shoot very well, 31%, but he's at least trying to, to start shooting from the outside. Uh, he gets to the free throw line, seven uh, free throw attempts, 3.9 rebounds, 5.2 assists. 2.2 turnovers and 1.1 steals. Um, played 33 minutes a game. Now, DeRozan, you know, really good offensive player. You know, 30, 30% usage rate, 97 percentile. That's higher than LaMarcus Audard. So you can already see him fitting into that, you know, that probably number one or two playmaking uh, pick and roll type mm-hmm. player. Uh, he's a good playmaker, like I mentioned. Uh, really gets his teammates involved. Low, low, low turnover percentage. Uh, knows how to create shots on his own. Something, something this team was missing desperately last year with Kawhi injured. Um, he's not an he's not an efficient shooter overall from the entire length of the floor. He's a good mid range shooter and he and he attacks well off the rim. Uh, he draws a lot of shooting fouls, like I mentioned. But you know his three point these three pointers still need some 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 development. Uh, defensively, you know he doesn't foul too often, but not, he's not a great rebounder. And then outside of that, he doesn't do much else defensively. You know the Raptors were a top five defense last year, and now the Spurs are getting a guy who is when he was on the floor with them, they were ranked twelfth and he was out there. So he has his defensive issues. Um, Let's go ahead and what – what are your thoughts on just DeRozan individually right now? Uh, the offense is going to be nice to supplement LaMarcus. I think with the way the Spurs have built the roster with, you know, Marco Bellinelli and bringing back Bertans and Forbes, they can surround him with enough shooters where they won't need to rely on his three-point shooting too much. As long as he can slash and as long as he can score, that's the main thing. If he can start funneling defenders uh, – the big thing that we're going to miss with Kawhi Leonard is the rebounding, I believe, because Kyle Anderson supplemented that really well. So as long as they can funnel to the rim and, you know, LaMarcus, capable defender, Pirtle's a capable defender, it, it's going to be kind of rough, but I, I, I don't think that the drop-off is as steep as some may, may think it is, especially you don't know if the, some of those shots, if they open up with, you know, different guys like Bellinelli on the floor for DeRozan. Maybe he's a, a league-average three-point shooter. If that's all you get out of him, then that's still a win. <laughs> you know, he's, as long as he can spread the floor just enough. That, uh, that's the biggest thing that going forward and a couple seasons under chip who knows he could turn into a really good three-point shooter we'll see yeah we'll, we'll definitely find out you know especially with his age at 29 but um, like i said he started to at least put those attempts more out there uh increase them should i say now let's talk about yaka Pertle. you know he's 22 years old like you mentioned he was a number nine pick i believe in 2016 yeah um you know he, he scored you know he's a low low usage player he scored 6.9 points per game which is the same amount as Brent forbes last year 
uh, 4.8 rebounds, 1.2 blocks, um, 18.6 minutes, and he played in all 82 games for the Raptors last year. So he's you know he's got some experience, especially being on a number one seed out there in the East last year. Uh, on on and off the floor, you know he's 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 well on offense and defense in terms in terms of um, you know keeping the staying consistent with the numbers. He's not he's not impacting their team in any kind of negative way or you know making them elite in any any other kind of way. Um, just his, his profile real quick, low usage, like I mentioned. He's an efficient scorer, mainly shoots at the rim, basically just you know rolling on layups and dunks. Knows his role, basically. Uh, he doesn't doesn't really move the ball that well yet. Uh, he can be turnover prone at times, and he's a bad free throw shooter. Uh, defensively, you know, he's elite in terms of shot blocking, 3.5% um, block percentage, which is in the 92nd percentile for the minutes he's out there. He does foul a lot, and he's a really good offensive rebounder, but not great on the defensive boards. Um what kind of role do you expect him to play? I was talking on a radio show earlier in Toronto, and I was saying that I can see him play like that Dwayne Dedman role from two years mm-hmm. ago. Um, maybe, you know, that, that backup center, or maybe he starts next to LaMarcus. Who knows? Uh, what do you see from his role right now? I, I could see him starting more next to LaMarcus, just because you can go LaMarcus, uh, Pirtle, and DeRozan, Rudy Gay, DeJounte Murray. Uh, I don't expect him to start because I feel like if we start saying, hey, he could start, that people are going to put their expectations through the roof on this kid. Um, I, I still think Powell's going to be your starter in the short term. <clears throat> Outside of what kind of role he plays, as long as he can be a rim protector, he's not going to be a rim runner by any means, but he's really fluid. And I wanted to make the lazy comparison of Rasha Nesterovich since, hey, here's another Raptor center that the Spurs got and stuff like that. But I, I saw a, a comparison of Andrew Bogut because he's a very fluid big. He runs really well, and he's very—he's got a real nice touch. So I, I, that is intriguing, especially depending on how the Spurs use him and if they want to go old school and run like some twin towers type of offense. And yeah, defensive rebounding is still going to be an issue, but yeah, the offensive rebounding—we've seen that's one of the ways to beat the Warriors too. If he can provide some of that and protect the rim, hey, you're good, and we'll work on developing more from there. Yeah, so like you mentioned, he's only, he's only 22 years old. He has a lot of he has a lot of development still um, capable at going forward. Now that he's going to be in the San Antonio Spurs system in terms of development. Um, now let's move away a little bit from from the trade uh, in terms of uh, DeRozan. Well, actually, let's see real quick. Was there anything else we wanted to touch on? Um, you know that 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 protection on that lot on that pick that first round pick, yeah. um, you know one through twenty. That again signals too that the Raptors don't know how how healthy Kawhi will be in the long term. You know, to, to to basically say we're only gonna we're gonna finish you know as one of the top ten teams, you know, with him healthy that you know that's 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 easy to say, but again that that's a huge the gamble the part that they uh you know that they put that protection on is saying that they don't have that much faith in terms of that he's gonna be that that fully healthy. What do you think about that pick in twenty? And something else you brought up about the pick is that the spur you brought this up on Twitter the Spurs have their twenty nineteen first round pick already for next year. Plus now they have an additional one if it yep. falls to them in that uh in that that twenty one through thirty range. And like you mentioned, to move a salary like Patty Mills or Palgasol next year, you know that's a great one of those two picks is a great tr- a trade chip. So, what do you think about the pick, the protections the Raptors put in it, and also uh, it as a trade as a trade asset next year? I, I mentioned to you and Mike in our in our group text last night that I, I felt the pick would be heavily protected just because of maybe the, since the Raptors were kind of unwilling to part with Anunnabi at the time, it felt like hey, well protect the pick as high as you want, we'll go from there. But since that didn't happen, 1 through 20 makes sense that this team won 59 games. Their pick this season would have been 29th overall. 29th overall, the Spurs drafted DeJounte Murray and Derek White. So I know next year's draft seems to be relatively weak, but it's not like the Spurs can't use that as incentive. If the Spurs end up putting a similar season to this year and end up in in the teens with their own pick, they can package that with Patty and ship him out to 
either gain cap space or maybe get another asset, whether it's, you know, if Derek White progresses enough, if DeJounte shot is good enough, if they want to give Bryn those minutes, there's a lot of ways they can go with that and add a rim protector, add a nice stretch, athletic stretch four. Uh, so I don't have any issues with the protections on it. I do have an issue with it turning into two seconds. I don't think it'll happen. I'd be willing to bet it doesn't happen, but I do have an issue with it turning into two seconds next year instead of saying, like, it's a higher protected first or a lower protected first, like lottery protected. Um, outside of that, and Pal Gasol, Pal Gasol, there's really no incentive to attach a pick to him anymore. He's an expiring coming up. Like, he's only got a partial guarantee for next season or, you know, the following season after that. So you don't really need to attach a pick to him. If he wants to go play for a contender and you can make the salaries match, you've opened up room there, and then you still have two tremendous draft assets to build on in the future. Yeah, so, so those are some things to watch. Uh, and what John was referring to was that if the Spurs don't use that pick next next year that, that, that from the Raptors that like um, that's protected, then the following year becomes a two ter- it turns into two two second rounders, like John mentioned there. Okay, John, let's go ahead and um, move on toward uh, the the other Spurs signing. This one, this one came uh, after I recorded with Colin last week. Uh, that was the it's a, it's a low key signing. It's Dante Cunningham. Uh, you know, basically a role player, probably going to come off the bench. Um, you know, he's a six six eight wing, uh, thirty one years old. He's reportedly signing somewhere from the mid from the veteran exception to about two point five million. We haven't got the figures yet on his deal. He hasn't signed it yet. Uh, offensively, you know, he's a low usage player, low assist percentage, uh, takes care of the ball, doesn't create for himself, uh, mainly at the outside three point shooter. Um, uh, he also doesn't draw many fouls. Defensively, you know, he's average in most of the stats. Um, he can guard the three and four positions. You know, I watch videotape on him. He's guarding LeBron a lot of times yeah. when the teams would play him. Uh, what did you think about just um, a few words on the Cunningham signing? It, it was really low-key. Uh, I think it's decent. He won't really play a lot, but it kind of helps that stopgap and loss of Kyle Anderson. Uh, I was looking at some of the of some of his shooting numbers. It, it kind of reminds me, Bruce Bowen was a, loose, a, a low-key signing from Miami, back in the day, and so was Keith Bogans. Hopefully he doesn't play as much as Keith Bogans. I would really hate to see that, but you know how Pop is with these veteran defensive players sometimes. And what what I really liked about Dante Cunningham's numbers is looking at his three-point percentage, three percentage the last two seasons. From one corner, he's league average. From the other corner, he's shooting over 40% from three. Like, almost 45% from the right corner. And <laughs> it, it feels like the Spurs just turned the clock back 10 years on us out of nowhere with these couple moves, but I, I kind of like where where they're going with him. I, you know, he'll be a decent defender, and he seems to be an okay rebounder. I just, it, it's uninspiring. As long as that contract is league minimum, and let's say if it does go up to two and a half because we don't have the exact numbers yet, it could be like Davis Bertaz's signing where it's like, hey, these are uh, unrealistic bonuses just to get him to sign, just something to, you know, inflate his number a little bit, make it seem like his value is a little higher. That would be kind of interesting, but I think it's just a league minimum signing, and like we've mentioned with the other moves, that frees up the biannual. If they waive Brandon Paul in a couple weeks, then, hey, you still have that biannual to play with, and I think they can still stay under the luxury tax, too. Yeah, that'll be, those will be some things to watch, uh, especially, you know, like you just mentioned, Paul has a um, non-guaranteed contract that becomes guaranteed if he's still on the roster past August 1st. And then, of course, the day that you and I are recording this, which I should put a timestamp, uh, 8.42 p.m. <laughs> Central Time on a Wednesday evening, Mount Ginobili still has not made his decision yet. So we don't know yet if he's going to come back to San Antonio to keep playing or if he's going to retire. 
So we'll kind of keep an eye on Manu. Well, with the with the luck that we've had with the Spurs cast the last couple of weeks, I'm pretty sure Manu will announce his return or his retirement in a couple hours. So, <laughs> yeah, that usually happens. We fin it right when we wrap up episodes. That's when news breaks, you know, regarding the Spurs. All right, John, let's take a quick break, and then we're gonna come right back. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Thank you for listening to SpursCast, episode 506. I am um, the host, Paul Garcia, joined by Project Spurs' John Diaz. You can follow him on Twitter, at by John Diaz. Okay, so now, John, our last segment, since, again, this is just more of a short podcast, just because I wanted to have, you know, get, get, get your reactions on the whole Kawhi situation, the trade. Let's go through some expectations for this team a little earlier than, than anticipated. Um, you know, they were the seventh seed last year without Kawhi, basically, the whole year. Uh, they went 47-35. and Offensively, they were 17th, 105.6 points per 100. Um, defensively, 102.4 points per 100, which is fourth. Uh, the additions that they've added is are, are DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Perto, Marco Bellinelli, Dante Cunningham, and Lonnie Walker the fourth. Subtractions, team players they've lost. Kawhi, who really doesn't count because he didn't play last year, if you really think about it. <laughs> but uh, outside from that, Danny Green, a really good defender. Kyle Anderson, another good defender. And then uh, Tony Parker, you know, he didn't have his, you know, his best season, obviously, at that, that age. Now, a lot of Spurs fans on Twitter are really giving uh, one, of my, one of the guys that I follow a hard time, a guy that writes for Nylon Calculus, a very stat-heavy site, very a- analytical site. Uh, they're, they're very, you know, accurate with a lot of their numbers or projections. His name is Jacob Goldstein. He put out a tweet where he had some projections that said that the Spurs are only projected right now with this current roster makeup to win uh, 38.7 games next season. And fans got really upset just because, you know, they they see that, hey, they won 47 without Kawhi, and now you're adding DeRozan an all-star, and yet you're telling us that we're losing, you know, this many more wins, only 38.7. However, that kind of goes in line with what Vegas is projecting. After the Kawhi-DeRozan uh, trade was made, Vegas only says the Spurs are going to win 40.5 games next year. So there's these analytical people saying this, but then there's also Vegas saying, hey, don't get your expectations just too high yet on the Spurs. Um you know, based on Jacob's model, the Spurs' offense will see an increase. They're, they're expected to go up to 107.6 points per 100, which is from 17th to 10th. Defensively, the, though, they should see a huge decrease where they were fourth last year, and they're probably going to slip to 108.4, uh, which is 22nd right now based on these projections. Um, what do you think right now about those expectations that they're only expected to win like 40, 40 games right now? I I don't think that the loss of Kyle Anderson and Danny Green, Kawhi, and Tony make this team eight wins worse if they're projecting at 40 and this was a 47 win team this is where i'm not that big in, into an, analytics in that sense 
just because there's so many different factors at stake, and especially with how much the Spurs went through injuries last season with DeJounte Murray had an ankle injury, Danny Green had a growing injury, Kyle had a knee injury, Rudy had his ankle, LaMarcus had his ankle, Manu's guaranteed to miss, you know, however much time. I, I don't think that adding an all-star, it, granted they got worse defensively, but I still think this team is going to be offensively pretty good. And I feel like the system, at, at some point you have to give credit to the, the system itself that the Spurs are probably still going to be a top 15 defense. And I feel like with that, this team could still win 45-plus games, maybe hit 50. You look at the Western Conference. Denver got a lot worse, That who was challenging for that last seed. Michael Porter Jr., I, I love him. The news just broke two hours ago that he just had another back surgery. I don't think Isaiah Thomas is that big of an addition to that team. Dallas, Memphis, Phoenix, they got better. But granted, Memphis's injury history has been plaguing them for however many years now. Dallas and Phoenix are still extremely young to be relying on any kind of a playoff run. Minnesota could still trade Jimmy Butler, so that's another wild card that you could get a couple wins there. Houston got worse, which we a lot of people don't want to pay attention to that yet, especially if they lose Clint Capella. And New Orleans got worse with Boogie going to Golden State. So in, in, in that sense, yeah, the analytics will say this team is going to be better offensively and worse defensively. That's a given. And I think the Spurs are fine with that just because of how terrible they were scoring last year. They had so many droughts offensively, couldn't finish games, couldn't hit shots when it mattered. And in that sense that they've kind of, you know, rectified that a little bit with the signings and how they're going to move forward. And this team is still going to be a contender. I don't think they're going to be a championship contender, but I think the the best thing is that there's so many different variables at stake with injuries, with roster turnover. I mean, it's still July. It, it, there's so much that can change in the next three months where OKC could ship Melo out to Atlanta like it's rumored for Dennis Schroeder. I don't see how that makes Oklahoma City better. So th- there's still so much that we can re- look at and say, hey, yeah, the Spurs could end up still winning 50 games. But I will say the person in me that likes to pretend I'm a, a gambler at all, hammer that over right now. <laughs> uh, just hammer yeah, that I, I 40 too. and a half. Like, come on. The Spurs in their yeah. history have only yes. won less than 41 games six times. Hammer the over. Yeah, if I was in Vegas right now, I'd definitely make that, <laughs> make that play. Um, you know, I, I'm more... I, I, I do rely a lot on the analytics. You know, you know my, you know, just how my brain works, like all the math and stuff. Um, so, so from when I started seeing these projections, I was like, "Why is that? You know, what, what is it? How are you making, you know, this, this team that's getting an All Star all of a sudden eight, eight wins worse?" And so I had to, you know, I have to, I have to just, I just have to find some clarity for myself. Why are the numbers saying this? So in order to do that, I went back and looked at the players they're losing. And so, like I mentioned, like you know, even though Kawhi didn't play, I really, I didn't really account him here. But Danny Green, you know. Like, like I mentioned, they were like the fourth best defense when he was on the floor. Kyle Anderson, when he was on the floor, they were like the first best defense. So I think those are huge, two cru- like crucial parts for losing uh, defensively. And then I look at the offensive numbers, and you know, there's not, you know, they're going to for sure start Dejounte Murray, uh, DeRozan, and Lamarcus Aldridge. And then you wonder, you know, how are they going to space those those three players out? Uh, who are you going to put around them? Because the players that you put around them, like Bertans, uh, Patty Mills, maybe Brent Forbes or Marco Bellinelli. Those guys uh, are the four spacers, but they're not the guys who, who you know, are known for their defense. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, I agree with you. I, I don't think they're just going to win 40.5 games. I think they're going to definitely go over. I could see, again, 47 to 50 kind of range again. Um, like you mentioned, too, the Western Conference outside of Golden State has just gotten a little bit worse across the board. Um, so I think that they're definitely in play again for the 3 through like 10 seed most likely. I could see that happening just early on, just like you mentioned. It's only July. We haven't seen all the other moves that are going to happen. Uh, 
But, you know, these, they, I, for me, it was just more about, you know, why do the numbers say this? And now I understand why. Just because of the, the pieces they lost and the pieces they're getting. And, and DeRozan, especially, he's not known as, as a defensive player. And then also, you know, somebody like Marco Bellinelli, too, doesn't have that reputation. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they put anyone else around this team. Because I, I don't think the Spurs will make another move. But they have the pieces to make another move in, in free agency. And they still have enough cap space to go and make a little surprise signing here and there. I, I don't think it would be out of the question, but I feel like the way the roster is currently constructed is just to be better offensively, survive defensively. And and that's pretty much the NBA at this point. You have to keep up with some of these teams. The Pelicans did a good job against the Warriors by just pushing tempo and being really high-octane high offense. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, just in my opinion. I mean, there's there's the Warriors, and there's it's yeah, just like exactly. Else. <laughs> it's really what it is. You know, because I'm, I'm getting a lot of questions like, oh, are they going to trade Patty or Powell? I'm like, why, why would you do that this season? You know, let's be realistic here. You know, most teams right now are not going to be Golden State. And so if that's kind of, you know, the expectation, then I, I don't see why you would, you would, unless you have a, there, unless there's an all-star out there that the Spurs can get, I just don't see them moving Patty and Powell along with those future picks, like we mentioned earlier, those 2019 picks, just to have a chance at, at whoever that future all-star is. But, you know, I just don't see anybody even on, on the table right now. Um, thanks again, John, for joining me for SpursCast, episode 506. You know, we just wanted to get, again, instant reaction to this Kawhi Leonard trade, that it's finally over, SpursCast listeners. You know, you can finally kind of enjoy your summer. Uh, we will, we'll still be recording the SpursCast. We'll be going, um, you know, every other week now, now that the news shits are getting a little bit slower uh, as the offseason continues. Um, if you're online, please follow at, um, at Project Spurs, at ATLeague underscore NBA, at the SpursCast, and at Project Spurs Network. Visit our sites, ProjectSpurs.com, AnalyzingTheLeague.com, and ProjectSpurs.net. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating review. Thank you. Have a great day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.